Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So we're going to start our, our, we're not going to start, we're going to continue our uh, Psalms Awesome Mixed Volume 1 series uh, this week, and we're going to be hitting uh, Psalm number 119. And as in this series, we've kind of been going through the different Psalms. Uh, if you don't know, a Psalm is nothing more than a song. Uh, it is a, is a piece of poetry or a song that was compiled in this book that we call Psalms. Uh, the book of Psalms was kind of the hymn book for the Hebrew people. And it's what they would uh, sing out of and worship out of. Uh, you know, various uh, aspects of God's nature was taught through this music and, and that sort of thing. And, and uh, it, it was a very integral part of uh, the Hebrew uh, uh, believer's life. And so in Psalm 1, now Psalm 119 is a little bit different in that um, it is the longest chapter in the Bible at about 176 verses. It is a long, 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 long chapter. Uh, in fact, it's longer than a lot of books in the Bible. Um, and so you very rarely hear sermons on Psalm 119 because it's so long. And, and, uh, and so um, I'm excited to preach. It's really sad, though, because I'm really excited to preach this this morning because there's a lot of really good stuff in here. Now, the, the content of Psalm 119 is um, it's all about the Word of God. It's all about, uh, you know, how, what the word of God means to us and, uh, and how we can interact with it. And, and, and it teaches us a lot about God and things like that as well. But, um, now normally this is going to be a little different sermon, uh, this week. Normally, uh, well, when I was in uh, Bible college, I, not me, somebody else in class one day asked, uh, a professor, a preaching professor about, um, he's, I think the question was, you know, how many points should a good sermon have? And the professor said, well, I always think that every good sermon should have at least one good point. <laughs> and so I thought that was a really great answer. And so I try to, when I preach, I try to, you know, you, you probably notice, I try to stick to like one or two uh, points, uh, kind of sticky phrases that, that you can kind of leave and remember and that sort of thing. And so uh, this is going to be a little bit different. And uh, it'll be the first time I've ever done this, probably the last time I'll ever do it. Uh, but we're going to have a 22-point message this morning. And so, uh, yeah, so strap in. It's going to be a good sermon. Uh, but no, it's, 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 here's the deal. The way Psalm 119 is broken up, if you look in your Bible, you'll notice that it's, 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 uh, it's broken up into uh, each section has eight lines, and there are 22 sections. And put up that first scripture. Um, you, at the top of each section, it'll have this little word like this one says Aleph. And what that is, that's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And, and so there's a section for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each section starts with that particular letter. So there was kind of some alliteration. or That's not alliteration. What would that be? That, like an acrostic or something that's going on there. And, and so um, anyway, so it, it made it easier. I mean, it was kind of a poetic device, but it also made it easier for uh, them to remember what was being taught, you know, if they could kind of think through the alphabet and remember what, what words were starting, that sort of thing. And so here we go. So we're going to preach through all 22 sections of this uh, passage this morning. Uh, I, I picked kind of one or two or three verses out of each section that, kind of, that uh, most clearly 
stated what that section was all about. And so, so we're going to do this. So now my, I don't know how, um, what your relationship is with the word of God. For me, uh, I love the Bible. I mean, I, I love God's word. I love digging into it. I love learning more. The more I learn about it, the more I realize I don't know about it. I mean, and, and it's just, uh, I, I love just, just diving in there. And, and, uh, and, and here's the thing about God's word. The Bible describes it as alive and active. Um, and and you, can, you can approach a verse, read a verse a hundred times. And on the hundred and first time, It'll, it'll have a, a brand new, fresh meaning to you that just hits you where, right where you are in life at that time of your life. It's just it, the Holy Spirit uses God's word to really meet us where we are. And I love that about God's word. And so um, now for some of you, you may have a, a kind of love-hate relationship with God's word uh, where it's maybe, maybe you, you look at the Bible a little bit like you look at Shakespeare like, you know, you, you know, there's supposed to be value in there, but you're not quite getting it, uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, and so uh, if that's you, that's okay. I, let, me, let me encourage you to find a good readable version that works well for you. Um, if you, you know, it, it could be that your experiences has been a little, uh, difficult or you struggle through it because the version you're reading out of might be just kind of a difficult version. The King James version is a, is, is a very faithful, very good version but it's also a 400-year-old version that you honestly, in portions of it, have to translate into modern day, uh, you know, kind of like Shakespeare type of thing. And so, um, so you know, if, if that's your version and you love it, stick with it. But if, if, if you're struggling, find something that maybe is a little bit more modern that you can, that, again, that just kind of resonates with you and you and can connect well with it. There are a lot of good versions out there. Um, so we're going to dive into this 22-point message. And, and, uh, we'll see now, um, it went pretty well last time, but I had a time limit last time and you guys are second service and I don't really care if you're, if I hold you late or not. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, I had to stay short for first service cause they're all like ADD and I only had a limited amount of time. And, um, anyway, all right. So verse one of Psalm 119 says this blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those. And, and, and the first thing you need to know is this, that God's word contains the roadmap to the blessed life. If you want to live a blessed life. Now, when I talk about the blessed life, I'm not talking about the wealthy life. I'm not talking about the nothing ever goes wrong life. I'm talking about the life that God is interacting with, that where he is leading, where he is providing, where he is uh, using you, uh, where you find fulfillment in him, where you find peace in him. If that's the life you're looking for, you can find the roadmap to that life in the Bible. Uh, that it, it, is, it is an instruction manual, if you will, for our, for our lives. And you can find the blessed life or the path to the blessed life right there in the God's word. Uh, verse 9 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it? Uh, and God's word is the preventer of a thousand mistakes. God's word is the preventer of a thousand mistakes. I love that this verse picks on young men because uh, I'm going I'm to pick on young men. It gives me the, permi- the God's word gives me the permission to pick on young men this morning. And so uh, I want, I used to be a young man. Uh, I try to be a young man still. It doesn't work out very well for me. Uh, but but here's what I know about young men based on my own experience and based on watching all you yahoos. Um, this is what I know is that 
bottled up, locked up inside the bones of young men is foolishness. Foolishness. And, and God's word, a young man who will devote himself to God's word will prevent himself from a thousand mistakes. And it, it, that is just God's honest truth. And for all you young ladies trying to be young men, uh, that, that's all bottled up in you too, okay? And so devote, if, you, if, if you're young, if you devote yourself to God's word, it'll be the preventer of a thousand mistakes, I mean, young men basically are just time bombs waiting to go off until about age 24, 25. And and they start getting some, you know, they start able to kind of view things clearly. And if that offends you, it's because you're foolish. (laughs) You just don't have a grasp on reality yet. Wait, wait, you will eventually one day. But lean into God's word and that's going to help you. That's going to help you so much. It's going to help you so much. Okay. So God's word is a preventer of a thousand mistakes. Look at verse uh, 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. And the thing here is God's word leads us home. I love that word sojourner. That one of my favorite hymns is called this world is not my home. It says this world is not my home. I'm just to passing through. And, and, and what God's word uh, um, kind of points out to us is that this place is not our home. But we have a home, and it is constantly trying to lead us to that home. And we kind of dealt with a lot of this in that kingdom series we just finished up. Uh, but but it, is, it is a book that leads us towards home, and so that's a good thing. Verse 29 says this, Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I love that, put false ways far from me. And God's word turns posers into praisers. God's word turns posers into praisers. That there is naturally in most of us a, a falseness, especially when we get around church people or get around church or, or pastors or whatever else. That, that, that it is, is for a lot of us, we kind of default to I got to put on the mask. I got to pretend to be somebody I'm not. I don't want anybody to see through to what I'm really like. And so we, we become these kind of posers. And God's word cuts through all that crap and allows us to be the person that God created us to be. And we can rest in that knowing that God accepts us the way that we are, but he also loves us enough not to leave us the way that we are. And we're all works in progress. And it's one of the things I love most about our church is that we try to be a church where you can be authentic in your faith. You don't got to come in here and pretend to be somebody you're not. You don't got to pretend that you didn't fight with your wife on the way to church this morning. Um, now, we'd, we'd appreciate it if you put that fight on hold for a little bit. That would be, that'd be good for all of us. But, but, I mean, we don't have to pretend to be people that we're not. And so, um, so God's word turns posers into praisers. All right, look at the next one. Uh, verse 36, <clears throat> incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And God's word changes our priorities. God's word changes our, God helps us, God, God's word helps us see what are truly valuable things and what are worthless things. And when we get into God's word and we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change us according to his word and we start a relationship with God and that sort of thing, suddenly things that used to be priorities to us before, that used to be a big deal to us before, are not as big a deal to us anymore because God begins to rearrange our priorities and we begin to value things that are truly, truly valuable. I posted a a quote from a book I was reading this week on Facebook. Some of you may have saw it, but uh, the quote was something to the effect of... A church that engages a child, 
I'm sorry, a church that engages a child's behavior. <laughs> I forgot. A church that okay, a church that engages a child's behavior, but not that child's heart, stands in opposition to the gospel. And I love that phrase so much because because what tends to be you know our natural way of thinking is is we got to clean these kids up and we got to get them to behaving right and we got to you know straighten them out and that sort of thing. But what God God is not so concerned with us changing the behavior of our kids as much as he is getting the gospel to sink into the life of our kids. It's not so, so important that we as a church raise up kids who never do anything wrong as it is important that we raise up kids who know that when, not if, but when they fall and when they struggle, there's a God there that loves them and that forgives them and still accepts them and embraces them. And so God's word rearranges our priorities. That's just an example of that, but, but that, that's a good thing. So verse 43 Everybody say, wow. That's a great letter. All right. And take not the word of, (laughs) take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. Now to a grace loving gospel loving people, a phrase like my hope is in your rules is a little bit uh, offensive to us. But what is, what's happening in this verse, it, th- that word rules does not mean what you think it means. That the word rules here is actually, um, uh, would be better translated as the word, uh, like we would refer to a judge's rulings. In other words, the way a judge has, has ruled upon a, pr- a particular issue. And the, and the point that, that we want to bring out here is that God's word sets the bar for justice. God's word sets the bar for justice. That while we may see uh, in this world, lots of different uh, situations that, that uh, reek of injustice, that God is the one who sets the bar for justice, and God w- will one day set all things right. Amen? Amen. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. And God's word brings comfort. God's word brings comfort. There's been so many times I've gone to the word of God in need, I mean, just wrecked personally, full of anguish, full of anxiety, full of hurt and pain and everything, and needing a word from God only to, to go into the Bible and find the exact word that I needed that lifted me up out of my funk. And God's word brings comfort. Why? Because it's rooted in Jesus Christ. Verse 62. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. At midnight, I rise to praise you. God's word inspires worship. God's word inspires Worship that when you, I mean, again, so many times I've been interacting with the Bible, uh, reading and, and just kind of meditating on scripture and something, a little phrase, a little word or something will just get a hold of me and immediately send me into prayer, immediately send me into just thanking God for that promise or whatever it is that I, that I encountered in scripture. And God's word really brings us to a place of worship. Psalm uh, 119 verse 67 before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, but now I keep your word. But now I keep your word. God's word rescues. God's word rescues. God's word, God's word meets us where we are in the hopelessness of our situation, in the mess that we've made out of our lives, in the pain that we're experiencing, in the, you know, whatever it is that's going on, no matter how uh, far from God that we are, it meets us where we are and it reaches out and it pulls us out of the pits that we find ourselves in. It rescues us. Verse 73. Your hands have made me and fashioned me 
Give me understanding that I may, that I may learn your commandments. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. God's word enlarges our view of God. God's word really points out the fact how immense God is, that he is the creator of the entire uh, universe, that he created all the intricacies and all the details of who we are as people, that when we learn, when we get into God's word and we learn more clearly who he is, our view of him increases. And that's a good thing for a reason we're going to bring up here in just a second. Verses, uh, start with verse 84. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure, and they persecute me with falsehood. Help me. So here he's kind of, he, he, he draws a line between himself, a person who keeps God's law, who, 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 who rests in his commandments and knows them to be sure, and, and his enemies who are far from God's law, who are hurting him and persecuting and that sort of thing. God's word defines righteousness. God's word defines righteousness. And when we get into God's word, we, clear, we, we begin to understand what is righteous and what is not, what is good and what is evil. And it's not very popular to talk about evil in the world today. That, you know, it's more popular to think you know, there's good in all of us and all that kind of stuff. But you need to know there's evil in this world. There are evil people in this world. Not everybody is a good person. There are evil people in this world. And it's God's word that helps us to distinguish between good and what is evil. Now, before you get too big of a head, we're all evil too. And the only thing that's righteous about is us is what's in us through Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ provides that righteousness. Verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Your word is firmly fixed. God's word is unchanging in its principles. It's unchanging in its principles. Now, I, I distinguish here. I could have just said God's word is unchanging and left it at that. But I think it's very important to distinguish this idea that God's word is unchanging in its principles. Because there are some aspects of, about God's word that, that sit uncomfortable to us as 21st century Christians. For instance, when Paul says uh, you know, uh, that women shouldn't uh, go around with braided hair and jewelry, um, we're not checking for braids at the door. Right? We're not kicking uh, ladies out based on jewelry and braids. Uh, why? Because that makes absolutely no sense to us. But back in first century, uh, you know, that part of the world in the first century, braids and jewelry was a sign of a, of a loose woman, of a prostitute, that sort of thing. That's no longer the case for us today. But the principle remains. The principle remains. What's the principle? That we should be uh, people submitted to God in humility, in modesty, and in purity. And that principle transcends culture, transcends time. And God's word is unchanging in its principles. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, verse 98. Your com- oh, this is a good one. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. <clears throat> I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are, are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep... Your precepts, your, your, your word makes me wiser. It gives me great understanding. God's word makes us wise despite ourselves. Makes us wise despite ourselves. This is one of the most beautiful things about God's word. That because God's word does not come from man, but comes from God, who is the 
originator, creator, master of everything, uh, uh, who knows all, is all. Because that word comes from him and not us, a person, no matter what their age, no matter what their education, no matter what their situation, a person who leans into God's word for their wisdom will find themselves oftentimes being more wise than their enemies, than even their teachers, than those who are older than than them that should be wiser than them. This is great hope for all of us, is it not? Great hope for all of us because, and this is why we should constantly be praying for wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God, because the wisdom that comes from God, again, it's not based on us, it's based on him. And when we can spit out some wisdom that is based on God, oftentimes you will be the, the sane voice, the most sound voice, the wisest voice in the room if you're leaning into God and not into your own wisdom. Now, what this does not tell you to do is to try to show up people who are older than you and people who are teachers than you and, and, and become proud and things like that. That's not what this is about. All it's saying is that you take you, a person, no matter what your age, no matter what your situation, you take you, a person who is leaning into God's word, and any person, no matter their age or their education, who is not leaning into God's word, and you're going to be the wise one in the situation. That's what it's teaching you. That's true. So, uh, 105, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Light to my path. God's word illuminates. God's word illuminates. God's word brings clarity to the situations of our life. When you find yourself feeling like you're in the dark, like you don't know what's next, you can dive into God's word and it illuminates the path. It begins to, to, to bring the dark places clear. It begins to give us clues as to what, where God is leading us and why he's leading us in the, that way. God's word illuminates. It's a good thing. Verse 120. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. Now, this is not the, the happy, uh, you know, give everybody a lollipop God that, that we like to hear about. This is, this is a different kind of God that is often talked about, the God that we should fear. Uh, now, for some of us, the idea of God wanting us to fear him doesn't sit well with us. Um, but what's being talked about here is really, well, look at that point, that God's word reminds us that we are not God. God's word reminds us that we are not, that there is a God and it's not us. It's not us. And when you get a clear view of who God is and, and your view of him becomes bigger, your view of him is filled with reverence and your view of him is uh, like the word of God teaches us that, that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is, a, he is holy. He is separate from us. He is altogether different from us. And when your view of him becomes a little bit more clear, and then you get a very clear view of who you are in the scheme of things compared to him, then you quickly... If that didn't, I'm just going to be honest, if that didn't produce a little bit of healthy fear or reverence, I, there's something screwed up about you. you. You look at all throughout the word of God, anybody who ever had an encounter with God or even just an encounter with one of his messengers, with his, his angels, their first reaction was fall flat on their face in fear. 
And what's God's next response? Don't fear. Don't fear. It's just me. It's just God. Just don't, don't fear. It's just, just God. Just God. But, 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 but the thing is this, is that our response to God when we get a clear view of him will be one of, oh, we are very small. We are very, very small. That there is a God and it's not us. Verse 126. It is time for the Lord to act for your law has been broken. It's time for the Lord to act for your law has been broken. That when God's laws are broken, action must take place. And God's word establishes holiness. That God, when we talk about holiness, we're not talking about people who are trying to be holier than thou. When we're talking about God's holiness, we, we're talking about something, a, 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 a God who is so pure, so right, so just as his love is so perfect that we cannot even approach it. That honestly, our, just our presence, even if you're a decent person, I mean, even if you're, if you're, maybe you're the kid who, like, all through school, you never did anything wrong. Like, you know, like, never got in any trouble or, or, or whatever. I mean, you're, you've always played it safe. You've always, you know, you were brought up in church your whole life. I mean, you're, you're a decent, decent human being. Even if that's you, what is it? The Bible says your, your, your very best, your righteousness is like filthy rags to God. Filthy rags. Do we know what that, have I told you what that literally means? I have, right? Okay. Well, if I haven't, let me teach you again. It, what the, the, liter, we, the, the Bible uh, translators watered that down. What that literally means is used menstrual cloths. Your very best is like used menstrual cloths to God. That's how holy he is. That's how holy he is. And God's word establishes this holy holiness and establishes our relationship to it and makes us realize that the only way that we can stand before a holy God, if our very best is something that nasty, the only way we stand before a holy God is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. 131, verse 131. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. God's word sustains us and refreshes us just like water. Sustained, it keeps us going and it charges us up when we need to be charged up for the tasks that he has in, in front of us. God's word sustains us and it refreshes us. Verse 137, righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. Right are your, your rules. God's word is true. God's word is true. Contrary to popular belief, there is still a concept in this universe called truth. And it is God. It is Jesus Christ. That his word is true. And I know it's very, it's kind of, the, the, you know, the, the way we communicate with each other now is when we disagree with somebody, you, you'll often hear somebody say to you, or you might be saying it to somebody else. If you, if you are, stop it. Something to the effect of, uh, I can see how that is true for you, but that's just not true for me. And, and people say that because they think they're being tolerant. But can we get real about that phrase? That is the most condescending phrase you could ever speak. There's nothing tolerant about that phrase. For you to look somebody in the face and say, I can see how that's true for you, but it's not true for me, you're basically calling them an idiot. You're basically calling them an idiot. You're just using nicer words. There's nothing tolerant about that. There is absolute truth in this universe. 
And Jesus Christ establishes it. Jesus Christ establishes it. There's no such thing as truthiness. There's no such thing as, you know, this idea that you can have your own truth. No, God has his own truth, and you are either with him or you are not. That's the way that works, okay? Verse 147. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. I rise before dawn and my eyes are awake before the watches of the night. God's word deserves real estate in our schedules. God's word deserves real estate in our schedules. If you find yourself in a position where you, you, you feel distant from God, where you feel like there's not a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, fellowship or, or, or unity going on between you and God, and you just feel distant from him, it could be that it's because he has no place in your life. Because he has no place in your life. It's great that you carved out time for him this morning, but if that's all you're doing, that's not sufficient. It's not sufficient. Um, in the same way of any other relationship that's important to you in your life, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your, your wife, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your, your best friends, whatever it might be, if you never spend time with that person, if they are not priority to you, that, that they are not you know, an active part, a regular part of your schedule, then that relationship begins to deteriorate. It begins to feel distant. Communication begins to break down. And the same is true with God. If he is not a priority in your schedule, that relationship begins to feel distant. It's so important for us to dive into God's word. Why? Because God's word is how is the number one way that we hear from God. It is his word to us. It is his revelation about himself to us. It is how he speaks to us. It is how, it is how the Holy Spirit often moves us and directs us. It's, it's through his word. It's through his word. And if you feel distant from God, then get into a place where he can speak with you. Carve out time for him. Get into his word. Make the word of God a regular part of your life. Let me, let me get real practical for just a second and, and just share uh, three things that I use that, that helped me in this process. And, uh, you can put that, that screen up there. So these are, are three apps that are on my phone, and I use them a lot, okay? Now, I, I like, I'm a person that likes to kind of redeem technology and, uh, and, and, and let, let, you know, technology be used for really great, great things. Uh, I know a lot of people think that technology can be a big distra- distraction, and it can, but only if you allow it to be. It also can be a tremendous tool in your life. And so for me, I do uh, almost all of my uh, Bible study and my Bible prep now is, is uh, on a device of some sort, whether it's my computer or my phone or, or a tablet or something. I'm constantly interacting with God's words that way. That way it's just easy and convenient for me. It's always in my pocket. The first app is the Bible app put out by Life Church. It's also known as Version. Uh, great, great app. It has about every version of the Bible in there you can think of it in, in, in just about every language that you can think of. It's got the Bible on audio so you can listen if you're driving or if you just prefer to listen rather than read or whatever. You know, hundreds of reading plans to help you kind of stay on track. Uh, it's just a great, great, totally free app and, and I can't recommend that thing highly enough. The, this one in the middle I just started using a couple weeks ago. It's called the Explore Bible Devotional and it is a great kind of devotional and Bible study tool. The app is free, but it, and I think it comes with like a 28, uh, 28 devotions or something like that. But um, there are in-app purchases. I think like each month's worth of devotions is like $1.99 or something like that. And so 
Um, two bucks for a, mo- a month worth of content is not too bad to me. Um, but it is great. And the reason it's so good, I'm, I'm not normally a big kind of devotional guy, uh, but I like this one a lot because it, it, it leans more into Bible study than just kind of lightweight devotion. And so it'll, it'll deal with a passage uh, and really dive into that passage uh, in terms of, you know, connecting it to other uh, verses around the Bible that are pertinent to that passage. And it just really, I don't know, I'm, I'm loving it. I, it's a good one. I'll recommend it. The last one is the ESV study Bible. It's, it, it's, in my opinion, the best study Bible there is out there. The actual print copy of the ESV study Bible weighs about 50 pounds. It's like this big. It is, I mean, it's a backbreaker. It's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible book to have to carry around. And, uh, and so the thing, the reason I, and, and it also is like, you know, 50 bucks, or if you get the leather version, it's like, I don't know, a hundred or something. And so this one, a little pricey for an app, 15 bucks, but, but the best 15 bucks I've probably ever spent, uh, because you have that entire print version of that study Bible on your phone. Uh, this one's only right now available on Apple products. Android, I think is coming soon. Uh, but it is, it is great. All the commentary, all the notes, all the articles, uh, all the charts and maps and everything that's in that print copy is all right there on your phone. It is my go-to resource when I don't know the answer. And it is such a great, like, if, I, if, if I'm reading scripture and I got a question about something I'm reading, I, I, I immediately go to that. Uh, if you guys are calling me with questions and I don't immediately know the answer, I immediately go to that. And it's just a great go-to resource. It's not the most in-depth. I mean, there are better, more in-depth resources out there, but it's a good go-to resource. And, uh, and it's invaluable to me. So I would recommend that one to you as well. So those are just three tools. If you're not a tech guy, if, if you prefer the cowhide and paper, then, then that's awesome. Go with the cowhide and paper. And whatever it is, but just interact with God's word. Make it a part of your daily routine. Carve out time for it. Uh, because God's word deserves real estate in our schedules. <clears throat> All right, verse 154. Uh, Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. God's word is life-giving and life-changing. That if your only witness about God is his word, if you don't have anybody talking to you about God and you're living in a vacuum and, and all you got is a Bible, that is enough to give you life and to change your life. Everything you need to know is right there. God's word is life-giving and life-changing. Verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Nothing can make them stumble. God's word gives us confidence. It gives us confidence. When we feel weak, we can go to God's word and it girds us up with strength and with confidence and it, and it equips us for the task ahead. It equips us to deal with temptation, to deal with uh, you know, uh, just bad circumstances in our life. It gives us confidence to take on every day. Verses 174 through 176. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments. God's word leads us to salvation. It leads us to salvation. It helps us to realize that we are lost and it leads us to the one who can save us. Who can save us. It leads us to Jesus Christ, our only source of salvation. Our only source of salvation. God's word is everything that we need um, in this Christian life. I mean, it, it addresses all areas of our life. 
If you don't know God's word, get to know God's word. I, I, I can't, I, I, you know, if, you're, if I'm writing a review for, for a book, I can't give the Bible enough stars, okay? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's up there. It is the source of everything we need to communicate, I mean, in terms of telling us about God and revealing to us who God is and sustaining us and refreshing us and all the stuff we just talked about, it, it is everything. Let me, let me close with this story. And yes, that was the shortest 22-point message you ever heard. All right, let me close with this story. Um, about um, 18 years ago now, I guess, I, um, I had my ordination service. I was ordained for the ministry. And at that service where I was ordained uh, to preach, uh, my dad gave me a gift. And this gift was my grandfather's Bible. And uh, I love my grandpa Myers so much. And he was just, he was just an incredible man of faith. He was also a pastor. My dad was a pastor. Now I'm a pastor. And um, it's just that Bible is one of my most cherished possessions. It always sits on a shelf in my office. And, and, uh, and it just serves as kind of an inspiration for me to kind of keep going and be faithful in the work that God's called me to do. Now, I can remember as a, as a young boy, you know, watching my, my grandfather, you know, sitting in his lazy boy, reading his Bible and kind of half watching wrestling at the same time. And, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. And it was just, it was always there beside him. Uh, he would pick it up often. He would scribble in it, you know, he'd preach from it and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and I, I just, I love that. I love having that Bible. I love it. So uh, it's, it's a little bit fragile. I don't open it up a whole lot. And about um, uh, eight years ago or so, I was in my office back when we were living in Missouri. I'm in my office, and I, and I needed to look up a, a verse, and I'm, I didn't have a Bible handy, and I reached back, and I grabbed my grandfather's Bible, and I pull it out, and I open it up, and it's a little print, so I'm kind of down in it close. I'm looking and flipping the pages, and I just start weeping because, uh, and this may sound weird to some of you, but it was extremely meaningful to me, but um, the book smelled like my grandpa. It was this um, this weird mix of I don't know whatever ointment he used and Rolades. It was just this, <laughs> like you know that stuff that was just always on his fingers, right there in right there in the pages. And I just kind of breathed it in deep. And and uh, and 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 this and the reason I was crying is because this this thought hit me. Like how much how much do you have to love the Word of God? that the book smells like you 15 years after you're dead. 15 years. I want us to be a people who are passionate about God's word, who love God's word, who are immersed in it, who are guided by who are complete. Get this. Oh, get this, get this. Some of you need to hear this bad. Who are completely submitted to it completely submitted to it. There are things in that book that will be offensive to you, that will not make sense to you. But if you want the blessed life, submit to that book. I've said this before. Um, Anybody can read the Bible, but do you have the guts to let the Bible read you? Do you have the guts to let the Bible read you? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And as we say every week, and we 
really and truly mean this week, God, your word is good. Your word is good. God, give us a passion for your word. Give us a hunger and a thirst to be in your word, to be close to you. Thank you for giving us this book that reveals uh, you to us. It's so good to us, so good for us. We praise you because of it. I gotta pray right now. If there's anybody in the room that is um, far from you, questioning whether they need to draw draw near to you, I, I pray your Holy Spirit would just drive them into your Word, where they would meet you. Where they would meet you. Thank you for meeting us there. Thank you. Thank you for the salvation that your word points to. We love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. 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 All right. Everybody have a great week. See you later.